Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, where we're helping you lead better every day. And now here's your host. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Day, and I had the opportunity to sit down with Rich Birch. Rich has served on the leadership team of some of the fastest growing churches in the country. And he's also interviewed over 200 pastors from thriving churches on his podcast, Unseminary. He is a best-selling author, and his latest book, Church Growth Flywheel, is now available, and he has a special offer for all of our listeners, so be sure to listen for that today. Now, on this week's episode, Rich and I dig into some of the nuts and bolts of maximizing big days at your church to reach more people. Rich shares a bit of the why behind big days, and then we dive into very practical how-tos including things like preparing your team, inviting your community, and then following up with those who come. If this is excellent stuff that you can begin putting into practice now, this is one episode that you will want to share with all of your staff, have all of your key leaders listen to. So let's just go ahead and get started. Join me now in my conversation with Rich Birch. Rich, welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. It's so great to have you with us. Hey, Jason, so glad to be here. I feel like I finally made it. I made it on the Church Leaders Podcast. You know, when I was a little boy, I said, one day I'm going to make it onto the Church Leaders Podcast. So, so glad to be here. <laughs> there you go, brother. There you go. Awesome. <laughs> now, Rich, I have to say that I have been super excited uh, for our conversation today because you seriously over deliver when it comes to practical insights on church leadership. So I'm very pumped. I just love digging in, getting into the nuts and bolts of ministry. So today we're going to focus on one of the five practical systems that you write about in your newest book, Church Growth Flywheel. And we're going to talk about reaching your community and driving growth in your church through big days. So that's, that's going to be our focus. But before Perfect. we jump right in, uh, let's chat just a bit about this idea of church growth. Now, some pastors are like all in, all about church growth. And then there are some pastors that we talk to who almost think that it's a dirty word in a way. Yes. Yes. Right. True. So can you I've heard it from those people as I wrote this book? Yes, I'm sure. I'm sure you did. Yes. And you probably will hear much more uh, in the days to come. Right. So now. Can you share with us a bit about kind of your thoughts and maybe your journey, you know, in ministry about, uh, you know, surround this idea of church growth? Where, where are you and, and how did you get there, right? Yeah, absolutely. So 94% of the churches in our country are losing ground against the growth of their communities that they're in. So sometimes you've heard that statistic, actually, the more encouraging statistic, which is that 80% of churches are plateaued or in decline, uh, but it's actually worse than that. So the majority of churches that are growing aren't growing as quickly as the communities that they're in. So what does that mean? That means over time, if we don't, as a kind of collective body, worry about that, you know, our influence in the communities we're in are going to extinguish. We're going to have less and less influence over time. And so I'm not so like fired up about big churches. What I am fired up about is about big impact. I want churches to be making a difference in their community. I, I think that the message of Jesus that we hold is the most important message to get out there. And I want to see more people impacted with the message of Jesus. And so what we did with this book was really try to compress lessons. A church I was a part of in New Jersey called Liquid Church. Um, you know, we were a couple years ago, we're deemed one of the fastest growing churches in the country, which was fine. Uh, but actually over the years, I've interviewed 
interviewed over about 200 different church leaders from these churches. And what I tried to do was compress it all down and say, okay, what are things that we can all apply to our churches? I was trying to, as I've said, as my mom used to say, put the cookies on the bottom shelf. Like, how do we make it easy for people to kind of, in all different kind of spectrums and all different types types of churches, say, hey, what are things we could do? So yeah, I understand that some people are allergic to the word church growth. I, I get that. I'm not I'm not naive to that. You could change church growth to maybe, you know, you know, mission impact or, you know, Jesus impact. What I want is people's churches to make a difference in, in their community. And I think every church leader that's listening in today has that heart. Listen, you wouldn't be growing or de- trying to develop yourself if you wouldn't say, hey, I, I want more people in, in my community to hear about Jesus. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, the, the idea of church growth, really, and mm-hmm. in, in sometimes people push back against that, uh, mm-hmm. we're not talking about growth just for the sake of growth. You know, this, no. is, this is ministry, missional focused growth. This is people who are far from God coming to Christ, and we need to make that a priority simply based upon the statistics you just shared, right? Yeah, and absolutely. And actually, there's there's a, a number of interesting things that I kind of allude to in the book. I don't kind of take head on, but, um, you know, one of the things you see in the fastest growing churches in the countries is generally those churches are firmly committed to the proclamation of the message. They're, they're firmly committed to preaching. You know, it's not churches that kind of play free and loose with the Bible or free and loose with the message of Jesus that are making an impact. In fact, we see as a movement those churches that are, are kind of uh, watering down or walking away from the message of Jesus, you actually see as a general group, that group is actually having less and less impact even on a you know faster basis. And so I am committed to trying to help churches that are wanting to make a difference, wanting to outreach to the world around them, uh, to try to make it as easy as, they, as we can and try to, again, put the cookies on the bottom shelf for sure. Awesome, brother. Now, let's focus in on this uh, that I talked about, this one system that you share. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about um, this idea of reaching your community, driving growth in your church through big days. Hmm. Now, now for some, those who may not be familiar with what that term really means, tell us, what do you mean by big days? Okay. So if you've been in church leadership for a while, you know that there are three or four days every year that you seem to have disproportionate attendance. They're just our, our larger days. And, and the thing I talk about in the book is that there seems to be these three or four days a year, or it might be as many as five, where two things happen. First of all, your people are more likely to invite their friends. Um, you know, the whole book really talks about how do we encourage people to invite their friends. The way churches grow isn't through some sort of slick marketing campaign. It's not through some, you know, let's put ads up on, on Facebook, although all those things might be interesting, kind of secondary, they actually grows because people invite their friends. Because at the end of the day, uh, your people get excited about what's happening and they want to remark on it. Your church is remarkable. And so on big days, the first thing that happens is your people who are attending your church are more likely to invite their friends. But the second thing that happens is their friends are more likely to attend for one reason or another. There's kind of a cultural, um, you know, kind of reinforcement still on the these three or four days around coming, you know, to church on a Sunday. And so what we want to do as a church leader is take advantage of that. Take advantage of the fact that your people are more likely to invite their friends and their friends are more likely to attend. Ultimately, not just for big days, not just because on those days we want to have a lot of people attend, but because if we know if we can get our people to invite their friends and that's a positive experience, meaning if their friends actually invite, invite they invite some friends and they actually show up, they'll be 
more likely to do that in the future. They'll be more likely to say, oh, oh yeah, I'll do that because I did that at last Christmas or you know last Easter and, and I'm more willing to say, hey, let's try that again. So that is what a big day is. There are you know, three or four days a year, maybe as many as five, uh, that, that those two things are, are evident in your culture. Now, it's funny, Jason, I used to be, I used to be the kind of leader that would be say, oh, like I, you know, every day is important. Every Sunday is important. All 52, it's exactly the same. And <laughs> we're not, we're not doing camels at Christmas and we're not doing the, you know, mechanical Jesus flying into the sky at Easter. Like I didn't want to do any of that stuff, which I still don't really want to do. Uh, <laughs> but, but I, what I, I think I missed for maybe a decade was this reality that people were more likely to invite their friends and their friends were more likely to attend. And we missed out on an opportunity to reach people. Okay. So, I, so I love this, Rich, because you are saying it's not that we're trying to make this big day some sensational craziness, but right. it's the, the reality is why big days are important, as you said, is because of these two factors, the factors that yep. that people are more likely to invite someone and those people are more likely to to attend. So therefore, if that's true, then right. we as pastors, as ministry leaders, uh, we would be silly, you know, really right. foolish. Right. Not right. to kind of leverage that because we are trying to connect as the church with more yep. and more people who are far from God. Absolutely, for sure. And then so the days you might be thinking, like, what are those days? So the two we mentioned already that people often think of are Christmas and Easter. You know, we know that it's in our culture. People think about those, uh, you know, a lot. And it's true. And there's a bit of a nuance I found over years that there's a bit of a different crowd that comes on those two days. A lot of times on, um, you know, Christmas Eve, that that is, it tends to be a bit more of an unchurched day. Like that tends to be times where people who maybe don't really attend church at all, they'll come for that day. Where I find Easter tends to be kind of more of a return day. It's like people who maybe are those folks, you know, so many church leaders bemoan this, like, well, people only attend once a month or something like that. And you get generally get all those people to come on Easter, or you can get those people to come on Easter. But there's a couple other days. Um, a lot of churches see uh, Mother's Day as one of those, um, you know, which is kind of built on the, if mom asks you to come to church, uh, you, you, of course you're going to go. Right. Um, or the other way around, if you ask your mom, generally most moms will go. Um, so, you know, to, a lot of churches are seeing Mother's Day. And then I, I also say, well, wait, talk about kind of the back to church Sundays. So that could be literally in the fall, either August, September, based on your kind of school time frame, maybe the first weekend after Labor Day, if it's kind of a September start or, you know, somewhere around there, it seems to be kind of the culture resets or in the new year, kind of in January, you know, the reality of it is that a lot of people put us in the category of kind of a new year, a new you. They're like saying, Hey, I, I want to kind of try, you know, I got to try church again. I got to get back to church. Kind of like they got to say, got to get back to the gym. And so churches will see that, uh, uh, you know, attendance bump in the in the new year. And what I talk about in this chapter is saying, hey, why don't we leverage these days? Why don't we try to say, what can we do? There's a big opportunity on these days. What can we do to try to make these uh, days, you know, a little more special, um, a little more, you know, opportunity for us to reach people in our community? Yeah, that's good. And on that note, what are your thoughts around, well, this big day is going to be different than what they're going to experience the following week? Right. Because oh, sometimes a, you know, we, yes. there's a lot of pushback on that, a lot of conversation around that. So so kind of unpack that a little bit. Yeah, that's a great question. So I think that the core of every big day is great teaching. So there was a study done last year that said, you know, two thirds of the reasons why people attend a church is actually because of the teaching, which I know for all the worship leaders who are listening out, they they, <laughs> they tried to push that, you know, study away. Um, but it's just true that at the end of the day, kind of your big day needs to be built around great teaching. There needs to be a great message at the core. And I would say that component should be as similar as the rest of the year, if not just spending a little more 
more time working on it, realizing, hey, there's going to be a bit of a larger crowd there. But, you know, you want to make sure that it's ultimately built, from my perspective, ultimately built around a teaching experience. It's built around, you know, you need to actually say something, which can be difficult on these days. I know for the teaching pastors that are listening in, um, if they're honest, they would say their worst days to preach would be Christmas Eve and Easter and Mother's Day, because it's like everyone knows the punchline. Like, you know, you know, on Christmas Eve, you're going to say, well, Jesus was born. And, you know, on Easter, obviously, Easter is a massive day, obviously incredibly important, but people don't come into that day. Even unchurched people don't come into that day, not knowing what we're celebrating on that day, which can make it a difficulty from a preaching point of view. And, and Mother's Day, a couple of years ago, I remember at Liquid, we started a series on ISIS on Mother's Day, which was a really bad idea. Um, not something to repeat. Um, That's a big day for sure. We right? used to always <laughs> joke, we used to always joke, not your mama's church. And there were a couple times where we would actually live that out. That was one of them. It was a wow. bit of a mistake uh, on that day. But so I, I think the programming really the programming I don't think needs to be radically different. It can be punched up a little bit. It can be maybe just acknowledging, hey, it's like, you know, if you're having friends over to your house every week, you know, that are coming over, they come out every Friday night, that's kind of thing. You you put out dips, chips and dip just like normal. But, you know, on, on Thanksgiving, you might do a little bit more. You're still having food. You're still doing a normal thing. I think it's the same with your church. I think, you know, you don't want to radically change it. It's probably good to, you know, do something very similar so that you can point to, hey, this is like what we do the rest of the year. The problem with and I joked about it easy, earlier, the kind of camels on Christmas Eve or the robotic Jesus who goes up into the sky on on Easter. The problem with those is you're not going to do that every day of the year. And, and people, they'll show up and be like, well, how come there aren't camels here? I came and there were camels here last time. How come they're not here this time? And so I, I do think, you know, you, you might want to punch it up maybe 10 percent, 25 percent, something like that. But you don't need to do something radically different. What I do think you need to do is a lot more communication with your people, you know, working harder to get resources into their hand, using social social media, you know, getting out with the press, you know, doing those kinds of things to try to encourage people to invite their friends on those days. I think that's really the biggest difference that we need to look at, not so much the programming. Yeah, let's dig into that a little bit because uh, many of our pastors and ministry leaders who are probably listening probably say, you know what, we, we yeah, Christmas, Easter, we, we try to capitalize on that. You know, we, we yep. try to punch it up a little bit for those. But what are some of the key things that you've experienced yourself in ministry and from, you know, churches that are, are growing rapidly and really reaching people far from God. What are some key things that pastors and their leadership teams should really be focusing on and really talking about as they're preparing to really maximize one of these big days? Well, I think, you know, the core idea of the book is, you know, this idea of a flywheel that we kind of commit to something, uh, you know, the idea of a flywheel is from when, you know, you were a kid, I don't know if you remember at the kind of around the corner from your house at the local park, there was, you know, those merry-go-rounds, it's kind of a large piece of metal, a round piece of metal on a, a spinner, and it had, you know, the kind of metal poles on it, and you put your one foot on the, 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 on the, you know, on the actual metal disc and then one foot on the ground and you'd push your foot all the way around. And that first time you pushed around, it was a tremendous amount of work. You were like, oh my goodness, I can't, I don't think we're going to make it. And then the second time it was still a lot amount, a lot of work. In fact, it was just a little bit less. And then the third time was a little bit less and a little bit less. And what happens is at somewhere you go from pushing hard to hardly pushing. You go from, we're putting so much energy in to then you're just holding on for dear life. And, and the reason why I use that as a kind of analogy for 
for this book is I think outreach is like that. It's it, we need to apply consistent pressure in the same direction over time. There's not a magic silver bullet. And the reason why I think big days are important is because every year you're going to, going to get three or four or maybe five of them that are going to happen. And what I would say is commit to this is the way we promote a big day. Here are the 10 things we do every time a big day comes. We're going to do all 10 of these and they're a little bit different than we any other Sunday. They're a little bit more, a little bit ramped up, but then don't for the next big day, let's say you do that at Christmas and then at Easter, pull out the exact same 10 again and do it again and say, Hey, we're going to, we're going to apply that again. And then at mother's day, Hey, we're going to do those things again. And the idea is we're consistently applying pressure in the same direction for big days. And what will happen over time is your people will realize, Oh, every time we're coming up to a big day, they're talking about it in a certain way. They're giving us a certain amount of resources. They're doing, you know, these kinds of promotional things, which then ultimately are saying, Oh, maybe this is the kind of thing I should, you know, actually invite my friends to rather than going like haphazardly and say, every time we come to a big day, we're going to do some different kind of communication process. We're going to do something different every time saying, no, let's, let's stick to it. Let's say, Hey, you know, this is the way we're going to uh, get the word out about that. Does that make sense? Yeah, d definitely. And I think the key there is because we're talking about mobilizing our people to invite, um, yeah. you know, it's kind of the, the, the big piece of it. Now we'll support that with other you know, other um, promotional materials or, or marketing yep. or, you know, getting the word out in the community. But since that's the key, then we really want our people to know what to expect and to kind yes. of understand, well, okay, awesome. We're doing this. Here are the tools. Here's what I can expect. Here's what's expected of me, you know, as, yes. as yes. someone who's a part of this church, you know, and loves yes. Jesus and loves my friends and my coworkers and my neighbors or whomever, then this is kind of game on, right? And this is yeah. kind of the game plan, right? Absolutely. It's something you said there I think is critically important. Expectations are a massive thing. I think for a long time, when I first, I've been in ministry almost 20 years, when I first started, there was a lot of conversation around excellence that it was like, hey, we need to do things excellently. And actually, I actually think yeah, consistency is more important than excellence mm. because actually what, what happens, if you think about the transaction of someone inviting a friend, what happens is you're going to say to your friend, Jason, you're going to say like, Hey, your friend, Bob, who you see at the gym, you say, Hey, Bob, you should come to my church. It, we've got this big day coming up and you know, my pastor's got this great message and the band's going to play, man, they do really good. They do these great tunes and you know, they always start with some kind of fun thing and um, you know, and whatever is normally happens at your church. Now, Something happens in that moment when your friend shows up, if there's a gap between what you communicated and what happens, there's that opens up kind of a distrust, you know, opportunity there. Even if that gap is, it's a better quality. So if you get up and say, you know, we've, if you say to your friends, we got this rock, rock band thing. It's so fun. They do such, you know, they do great rock tunes. And then you show up to Easter, Easter Sunday and you've got a 50 piece, you know, orchestra which you could argue is actually better quality. It's a, you know, it's a different thing. Actually, the gap in that expectations can be a problem. The fact that it looks different than what your people, you know, uh, haven't been inviting their friends around. So what you want to do is, is project out to in your communication leading up to these big days, you want to be very clear what is going to be talked about. You want to be very clear what the programming is. Even if you're going to do some sort of surprise thing, let people know like, Hey, we, we got some special music planned for that day, or, you know, we're 
We're going to be doing, um, you know, if, if a lot of, uh, you've seen a lot of churches do over these last number of years, say at Christmas Eve, they'll do like a social media, you know, photo booth. Well, tell people that don't surprise them that say, Hey, we've got, we're going to be doing this photo booth as an opportunity for people to come with their friends and get their pictures taken. Uh, we want to project that forward so that when our people are out talking about it, you know, they're able to, you know, actually articulate that. And I think you want to compress that all down into say an invite card, which, you know, I know you, you may know some people who can make invite cards or have invite cards available or postcards available. Uh, and you know, those, uh, postcards need to have all the information on them that articulate what's going to be happening at the, the big day. And, you know, I, I've even said in the past, really, we design those postcards. Um, I, I'm convinced that a lot of them don't actually end up in the hands of the people that we're inviting, but they're designed as a memory tool for our people to remember this is exactly what's going to happen. This is this is what is, you know, this is the day, this is the time, this is what it's going to be about. Here's some some language, here's a few sentences that kind of give the reason for why people should attend and, and then ultimately if there's special times and all that or if they have to register or any of those kind of things, it's all right there on uh, the card. Yeah, that's good. And so you're talking about the card. Let's talk about some of those specific sort of channels that thriving churches really utilize to leverage the impact of their big days. So yeah. what are growing churches using? Yeah, so there's a lot here. And, you know, the irony of it is um, I realized as I was was writing this and looking at what churches do is a lot of you know, kind of growing churches that are making a difference are doing things that are like tried and true kind of old school communication. They're not, although they may be super creative or they may have a kind of a bit of a creative flair on it, the actual, what they're doing is not rocket science. They're not doing something that's like, oh, I'm not sure how that works. So direct mail is one of those, you right. know, we see um, churches still doing, you know, like special postcards. They're talking about big days. So, you know, maybe a month out, they're sending a save the date postcard. And then the week before they're sending a giant oversized postcard We'll see you this weekend, you know, that kind of thing. Email, the reality of it is email is still a great communication uh, channel. I know so many people are like, oh my goodness, I'm so tired of email. Like if I get another email, I'm going to go crazy. Uh, but it, you know, it really is a, a great way, a great way to communicate. And to be honest, um, you know, you should be probably sending more emails. I, I think most churches need to send more to their people. They need to be communicating more through that channel. They only do, you know, once a month or once a week or something like that. And so, um, you know, there's lots of opportunity. I provide some examples in the the book of different types of, you know, emails you could send around big days or, you know, even just leveraging your announcement time in service, you wouldn't be, you know, you'd be, believe how many people they get to a big day and they haven't, you know, the, maybe the Sunday before they talk about it, they don't, you know, they don't, they wait until that moment to talk about it as, as opposed to saying, let's take a couple weeks leading up to it or, you know, um, invite cards. I kind of talked about the invite card thing. I love invite cards. I still think these are a great tool. And again, you see growing churches using these. Um, Bob Franquist from uh, Calvary Fellowship in uh, in Florida talks about, you know, I asked him what was, what was kind of the one thing when their church ended up as one of the fastest growing churches. I said, what's the one thing you would pass on to every but he said, it's, he said, it's too simple. I don't want to say it. I'm like, no, no, I, I want you to say, what is it? And he said, well, for the year, for the year leading up to this kind of us ended up them being called one of the fastest growing the church churches in the country, they put invite cards on every seat in the auditorium and talked about them every week and said like, here is the invite card, take them for your friends. And he said, just the fact that they were sitting on their seat, people had to pick them up. Right. And he's convinced that that's actually what God used, that that was a part of what, just the fact that they were getting those in people's uh, hands, you know, social media, we could just keep going, you know, social media. I think there's actually a whole chapter or whole system in the book, all on social media. Uh, but, you know, developing resources, not just things that 
say, hey, join us on Easter Sunday, but actually things that your people are more likely to invite mm-hmm. or more invite share. The, share with their friends um, is really what – and it doesn't need to be complex or expensive. Uh, but you know, there's more on that. Uh, you know, There's lots of other stuff we could talk about. Public relations. Actually, this is an interesting thing. As we – Come up to these big days, particularly, say, Christmas, Easter, Mother's Day, those kind of holidays that are in the broader culture. This is a great opportunity for you to reach out to the press in your community. And I'm going to give you a I'm going to give you a next level tip here, Jason. Mm-hmm. What you're going to do is you're coming up to this this day. There are usually somewhere between a week to 10 days out. The local newspapers, the local radio station, the local TV stations, their um, assignment editors are sending their people out to find stories on on about their upcoming Christmas story or upcoming Easter story. They have to report on that. And you've seen this. It's like why before last Easter, three days before Easter did the you know local television station why were they standing on the side at some company where there was a guy in the easter bunny suit handing out something the reason why they did that is because they were looking for that story and we know coming up to these times of year that the local press are looking for these stories and so what you can do is actually google's your friend in here go and use google go back and search at last year around this time the local press who are in your community and you'll see they write every year, they write the same article, 15 things your church or your your family should do on you know Easter weekend. Contact that writer, the guy who keeps or the woman who keeps writing that article every year, get in front of them, send them a press release and say, hey, we've got this great thing going on at our church. Or, you know, if you see around Mother's Day, a lot of times you'll see like the best place to go to take your mother for, for lunch this, this Mother's Day. Reach back out to that person and say, hey, have you ever thought about including like maybe religious services? And and you could you could say, hey, we can include our thing. We're doing this special thing for mothers on Mother's Day. Kind of using the press as a great opportunity on these big days because, again, the broad culture is talking about these issues as well. That's awesome. And and one of the, the key things I love whenever um, we're able to do some press stuff and then you get an article written or you get something happening, then that's just one more piece that you can push out across your social channels. Absolutely. And it just kind of keeps keeps things churning there, right? Absolutely. In fact, that, that's I'm glad you mentioned that. And, and over the years when we've got press coverage, I, I really think the greatest value of that press coverage is the fact that our people then share it on our channel. So, and you could see like if they end up putting it on their website, but they don't share it, say on their Facebook page, I would just loop back with the author and say, hey, is there any way that you could share that on Facebook? And then we'll share it from our church page as well. They'll, they'll be more than willing to do that because they would love to get the, you know, the shares off that you're getting the benefit. They're getting the benefit. And your people are like, I can't believe most people who are attending your church don't understand how the press works. And they're like, I can't believe they're covering our Easter service. Like, that's amazing. They're not really thinking about the fact that you wrote a press release or that you reached out to them. That, that, that gets lost on most people, um, you know, in, in, in your church today. Exactly. That's great. Those are some great points. Um, one of the things in that, as, as you're talking through, and, and you know, this is just something that, um, that we kind of come to understand, but not everyone, not everyone embraces this, or maybe fully mm-hmm. understands it. But that is um, the the idea of repetitive messaging, right? And so yeah. that you need to get the the message out multiple times uh, across yes. different channels in different ways. And so your direct mail postcards going out, you've got personal invites that people are handing out, door hangers, social media posts, you know, some PR stuff going on. You know, you've got your small groups or your, you know, your volunteer teams who are doing specific things around. So the more that people can hear that consistent message about your big day, yes. 
the more readily they are to actually take action around that, right? Absolutely. So what you want to do is come up with what I call a blurb. So maybe two or three sentences that describe what's going to happen on your day. It doesn't need to be long, like maybe the length of the long tweet, you know, that's about it. 280 characters does not need to be long at all. And it really needs to encapsulate the why. Um, so why would I want to come to this? What is, what is going to happen at this that would attract me to that? And we want to repeat that time and time again. Now the same is kind of visually, stylistically, you know, whatever. And, and outreach is very good. You know, you guys are the parent company of, of this deal here is really good at creating kind of materials that are that are kind of campaign focused they have a you know a whole bunch of different you know pieces that all look the same you, you want to do that in the way you are you know you roll out graphics so all of those pieces look the same they kind of tell the same story over and over and over you don't want to have new messaging at every time you don't want to have a new you know look or logo at every time you actually want to stick with the same thing over and over and over you think about nike for years like I don't know, 10 years, they were just do it. Like, and they didn't say anything, but just, just do it. And, and that sticks, right? That sticks in our brain. We have to do the same thing. We have to surround people uh, with that messaging and, and just keep repeating it time and time again. And eventually people were like, oh, I think this is what's happening at Mother's Day or, oh, I think this is what's happening at Christmas Eve for sure. Okay, Rich. So we, we uh, prepare our team. We prepare our church for this big day. We put the time, mm -hmm. the energy, the effort into it. We get the word out. We have an exciting experience you know, no people are walking through the doors. Mm -hmm. uh, then what? You know, let's talk <laughs> follow up, right? Because yeah, I, I think that follow up is really, uh, really determines the long term effectiveness of these big days is absolutely. how we follow up. Absolutely. So um, imagine you're out picking apples on an orchard on a, a warm September day and you're out, you go out and you go up three trees and you pick a full basket of, of apples and you put them in a, at the bottom of the tree and, um, you know, it's you're sweaty and all that. And you, you, you take the first basket and you put it in your car, you take the second basket and you put it in your car and you leave the third basket on the ground. Um, in about a day, those apples, uh, will start to rot. And actually in about two or three days, uh, they'll be, uh, just terrible and putrid and like, you don't want anything to do with them. You don't want to eat, eat them. Uh, the same is true in, when we generate fruit out of a big day like this and don't have a follow-up process, we need to make sure that we're, 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 yes, we have this kind of harvest that happens. There's a lot of these people show up. What are we pointing them to? We need to be thinking ahead of time, actually working backwards. That's why I really talk about a flywheel working backwards to where is it that we want them to go next? What is the next piece we want them to go to? So I recommend that. And what we see time and time again at churches is they're, they're typically starting some sort of series on these days. It's like they're, you know, they may be, yes, obviously they're talking about Easter, but that's, that's kicking off or the next Sunday they're kicking some new thing off. So at that day, we would need to have it all the branding and all the cards and all that stuff sorted out for the next series. So as people leave, we're handing out uh, those, you know, flyers and encouraging that we're working with our new here process. So as people come and, and, you know, a lot of churches do some sort of gift exchange. Hey, if you're here today for the first time, we're just so glad you're here. We would love to give you an, a, a gift in exchange for your contact information. It's kind of like our guest book here. And we would love to give you that. And then they're going to leverage that that list uh, and then work hard to follow up with those people through email, phone, all kinds of different ways you can uh, follow up with those people. But actually, absolutely, it needs to start kind of backwards with, okay, how is it that we want to get people connected to the next thing? Again, this isn't just about running a big event. It's not about saying, let's get a bunch of people to show up, but it's saying, hey, how can we convince people who are here to come back the following week? How do we move them down 
and say, you know, get them to come back uh, time. And we know that not everyone's going to come back. We know that not everyone's going to come back the week after Easter or the week after Mother's Day. Uh, but what we need to do is, is move with intention towards saying, hey, how do we ensure that we're removing the friction of them uh, coming? So the difficulty with that is on all of these days is – um, and this is where I think a lot of churches drop the ball. We spend so much time thinking about the big day. We spend so much time thinking about Christmas, about Easter, about Mother's Day. And, and because it is a lot, it's it's a lot to think about. It's a lot to do. And then we we leave the next series kind of to the, we just think, well, we'll do something later or we'll figure it out. We don't put the time, effort and energy into um, what is coming up next. What is that next piece of the puzzle? Where actually, I think we need to reverse that. And that's a part of where I say, decide on your communication plan for these big days. Just keep doing that. Just every time. These are the 10 ways we're going to promote a big day and then put your effort and energy thinking into, okay, what are we doing as we're launching the next series, as we're going into whatever the next step in the process is. Yeah, that, that's so good, Rich. Uh, and and I know exactly what you're talking about. I kind of refer to it as the wedding syndrome, right? Because it's <laughs> yes. kind of like you're putting all your energy into your wedding day, but then forgetting that's just the beginning of the marriage, right? And so it's like Absolutely. everything's being dumped into that. And so you need to reserve some of your creativity, some of your capacity for yeah. what's next, right? Because right. that's how you develop that ongoing relationship with these people and ultimately have the opportunity to help, um, you know, lead them to Christ and, and develop mm -hmm. them into – disciples and you know the, the long term right absolutely I, you know as an example of that something i've seen a lot of churches do unfortunately on these these big days is every department wants to get something in the announcement on this day because they're like this is the biggest crowd that we're going to have and so like the women's Bible study wants to talk about their thing. The men's are going on a camping trip. The, you know, kids are looking for volunteers for summer camp. You know, you've got this big long list. And and what happens is on these big days, you get up there and it's like, here, oh, here's a here's 15 things that you could get connected to at the church. You need to not do that. My strong recommendation on these days is the only thing you're doing in the announcement time outside of the message. The only thing you're doing in the announcement time is inviting people to come back the next week, is giving people a compelling reason. And why they should show up the next week. And so maybe it's a little video trailer. Maybe it's a, you know, it's an invite. It's like, hey, this is what we're, this is what we're doing next week. You know, maybe it is something from the kids ministry, but it's talking about why they should come back the following week. You've got, you've got, a, you know, you've got 48 other weeks of the year that you can talk about all those other things uh, on these days. The literally the, I think the only thing you should be talking about is, hey, this is why you should come back next week. This is what, um, this is why, you know, we're so excited about what's happening at our church. Rich, it's so good. And we've really just scratched the surface of big days. Yeah. And uh, and that's just one of five practical systems for driving church growth that you really do a deep dive into in your newest book, Church Growth Flywheel. So can you share um, just real quickly, what are the other four? And then uh, let's talk about, you know, where can the listeners get the book? They want to they learn more? Yeah, absolutely. That's great. So yeah, the five, the first one we talked about today was big days. The second one is series. So, you know, it's really t breaking down and most churches are doing this or a lot of churches are doing this. They're kind of taking what they're talking about and breaking it into uh, thematic kind of um, chunks, maybe four to six weeks long throughout the entire year. But again, that's an opportunity. Uh, we used to say, um, you know, people don't want to know what's on TV, but they want to know what else is on TV. And I think that's even more true. You know, people don't want to know what they're watching on Netflix. They want to know what else is 
on Netflix. And so what we want to do is use the fact that you're rolling from maybe 10 or 12 of these a year. How, how do we communicate every time we launch a new series and trying to grow just a little bit incrementally every time, not looking for big growth, but maybe just a little bit every time. Talk about social media. You know, like I joked about earlier, you know, I've been in ministry almost 20 years. It's funny because I, I don't feel like I'm an old leader, like I'm mid 40s. I haven't been around long enough to say I'm an old leader, but I'm also not a young leader anymore. I'm just a leader. But one of the things that has changed is the role of social media in our churches to make a difference in the community is, is critical. You know, if you look at church planters that are planting today, they're seeing social media as core to their strategy. It's not a secondary thing or a tertiary thing. And we're seeing that in these fastest growing churches, so the whole conversation. I try to, again, put the cookies on the bottom shelf, make it easy for churches to think about how should we think about social media and then some early steps. Also talk about what I call because, or, you know, be uh, this really mass mobilization of volunteers to make a difference, to get out of their seats and into the streets. A lot of churches that are growing uh, and making a difference in their communities, we're seeing them do these kind of mass service events where they're looking to serve the poor in their community. The community sees them as a good thing. We see them as a God thing, and it's an opportunity for us to reach new people. And then finally, uh, the fifth is all about internal communication. It's about helping uh, people wrestle through um, how to get connected, how to get into a team and a group. It really, I think it would be uh, unwise or it, it would actually just wouldn't be true to um, what these fast growing churches, how they think about growth. They don't just think about the front door, uh, but they also think about the kind of back door. How do we help people stick and stay? So yeah, I would love people to pick up a, a copy of Church Growth Flywheel if you, but I don't, you don't need to pay for anything. What I want you to do is to go to churchgrowthflywheel.com forward slash church leaders. And there you can download the first chapter for free. So read the first chapter, see what you think. If you think it kind of is like something interesting to you, then you can buy the whole book or you can just go to churchgrowthflywheel.com and that'll you know get you where you can buy it and all that. But if you go to churchgrowthflywheel.com forward slash church leaders, you can get the first chapter for free um, just for the wonderful people listening here uh, on the podcast today. Awesome, brother. Certainly appreciate that. And and like I said, if you are looking for something that really digs into the practical, you know, the, the nuts and bolts of, of what you can do, what you and your church can begin doing, what you can sit down with your staff, your volunteer leaders, your key leaders at your church, and begin putting things into practice now, not just theoretically, not just talking about it. Um, but actually putting into practice to reach people who are far from God in your community and to invite them to experience the beauty of the local expression of the body of Christ, which is your church. Uh, mm -hmm. If you're looking for those practical things, then this Church Growth Flywheel is is an absolutely um, fantastic resource. So I want to encourage oh, everyone to check it out. Yeah, it's been great. Thanks for sending one over to me. And, no, thank um, you. Fantastic stuff. So. Rich, tell me, what's the best way to um, connect with you? If if listeners want to connect with you more, learn more about your ministry, I know you have your podcast as, mm -hmm. as well. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I run a website called unseminary.com, and you know it really comes out of this conviction that uh, churches that are growing and make an impact, you know, all the time we say, "I didn't learn this in seminary," <laughs> and and that's really what we talk about stuff that we didn't learn in seminary. And so you have a podcast. We're 280 some odd episodes in, uh, interviewed all kinds of church leaders from a lot of different churches, really trying to ask some practical things. So we're trying to just be super practical. I'd love for people to come over. We do uh, a weekly podcast, and there's all kinds of. I think we're seven, eight hundred articles on there. Uh, so I'd love for people to drop by there as well. Awesome, brother. Well, thank you for taking the time and hanging out with us. We certainly appreciate it. And thank uh, you. God bless you, my friend. Thanks so much. 
I appreciate you taking the time to be with us on this week's episode. Every week as we are putting the episodes together, we're thinking of you, our pastors and ministry leaders, and striving to provide insightful and inspiring interviews as you seek to grow as a kingdom leader. So we hope you're finding value from the Church Leaders Podcast. And if so, we'd certainly appreciate you taking a few moments to head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your positive reviews and ratings help other church leaders more easily find our podcasts so they too can benefit from these interviews. Again, we thank you in advance. And if you have any comments, any questions, suggestions, or ideas for guests, I would love to hear from you. You can send me an email to podcast at churchleaders.com, or you can connect with me on Twitter. Finally, you can find this podcast as well as other great faith-based podcasts on the FaithPlay app. It's available for both Apple and Android. And so we encourage you to check that out as well. So until next time, this is Jason Day, encouraging you to love well and lead well. You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. For articles, videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day, visit our website, churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.